0: This is Napkin Scribbles, a podcast by Arthur and Professor Leonard Sweet. Today's Napkin Scribble is sponsored by Portland Seminary of George Fox University. For more information, join them on the web at portlandseminary.org. Now here's Leonard Sweet. We live in a celebrity culture, and because of that, the theological distinction between an icon and an idol is more important than ever. In some ways, if you think about it, we are still writing and reading the medieval lives of the saints, but the saints go by different names today. Isn't that what all business biographies and celebrity autobiographies are all about? We still canonize people, making their books sell like hotcakes. Now, as for the saints themselves, their books sell like cold oatmeal, but we live in a culture that needs, and creates celebrities. In in the re- medieval world, religion was the lever and leverage of power. In the modern world, the power chain was politics. In the late modern, high modern world, we used to call this postmodern, the power levers and levels were economic ones, follow the money. In spite of all the political electricity that's going on today, we are now living in a transition from the power paradigm of economics to the power paradigm of Iconomics, I C O N O M I C S. The major commerce of our time is icons. And people traffic primarily in stories, images, soundtracks, and track and tender their lives in iconographic ways. Now, the problem with a celebrity culture is that it turns everything it touches into an idol. And Idols are things we worship in the place of God. Living the life of Christ in a celebrity culture refuses and refutes idolatry, but embraces iconography. And this is the difference. An idol points to itself and says, look at me and worship me. An icon points away from itself to someone greater and says, look through me to Jesus and worship him. Now it's hard for us to get this distinction because we're so immersed in a celebrity culture that majors in personality and minors in personhood. But celebrity is based on a fantasy of intimacy and through mediaization and digital technology and the metaverse, we can create this fantasy. The problem is when the spell of the fantasy is broken, the celebrant's blood boils and goes on the warpath out for blood to make the fantasy real one way or another. Celebrities are brought down to crash and burn as surely as celebrity cultures will crash and burn. We chew them up and spit them out to retain that fantasy one way or another. One of the big changes in our culture is the number of people who claim that being famous is one of their big goals in life. Fifty years ago, the percentage of under-20s who listed this as the goal in life was in the single digits. Today, it often tops the list of life's goal and dreams to be famous. It was said of composer Richard Wagner that he never passed a mirror, but he didn't tip his hat to himself. So we laugh at such vanity, but what is a selfie? that sacred injunction against thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think? Is that even possible today? We can't go anywhere without taking a selfie and often seem less concerned with the makeup of the place we're visiting than the makeup that shoots the best selfie. The selfie fixation became so severe, and I love this story. that the Khan Film Festival, one of the most sizzling hot celebrity events of the star studded cinema world, banished selfies on the red carpet. So many celebrities and movie moguls were stopping every few feet to pose for a selfie for themselves, to take their own selfie, that the red carpet stroll turned into an everyday commuter-style traffic jam. So to rid the red carpet of gridlock, Khan made it official. No more selfies on the red carpet. The president of the festival followed that announcement with this description of a selfie. It's the ugliest picture of you anyway. Don't take it on the red carpet. Truest words ever spoken. A selfies is the ugliest picture of you ever taken. Self-love, self-absorption, self-aggrandizement, self-sufficiency, self-indulgence, self-pleasing. It all makes an ugly picture. When Kim Kardashian was asked if she could take a selfie with anyone, living or dead, she said, yes, my dad, Jesus and Marilyn Monroe. What? A selfie with Jesus? The most unselfie person in the world? Jesus? So in a celebrity culture that manufactures idols, as John Calvin put it, the mind manufactures idols, and never more so than in this culture, what if we reframed fame and celebrity dumb? And instead of reading the Beatitudes as blessed are, what if we were to begin with celebrities are and define what fame in the kingdom is about and what a true celebrity, a Jesus celebrity, is known for? In other words, Jesus celebrities are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus celebrities are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus celebrities are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus celebrities are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus' celebrities are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Jesus' celebrities are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Jesus' celebrities are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus' celebrities are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, when we've done this, just in the act of doing this, we moved from idols to icons. In other words, what if we went from a celebrity culture that produces idols to seeing ourselves as icons. Now, this will not be hard. This will not be easy. It will be very hard um, because we love idols. Each of us has a calf in Horeb. Each of us feeds a golden calf. Each of us manufactures gods who give us the permission to do the things which our real God forbids us to do. It's no use. I love foreign gods. I must go after them. This is Jeremiah 2.25. In a celebrity culture, when people ask you to be their God, can you always point away to the real God and revalue the awe of a living God in a world of little gods? There are a lot of little gods in the Bible, and the Hebrews loved to worship them. There was Baal, there was Ashtoreth, there was Moloch, there was Marduk, there was Chamash, there was Raphan. What if we went from seeing and looking for idols and gathering around and dancing around them and worshiping them to looking for icons, icons that point beyond themselves to something greater than themselves. An icon, you do three things with an icon. You look at it, you look through it, and you look back from it. An icon, you look at, it's a hymn in paint, they're called. An icon, you look through it. I, I don't like the phrase windows. They're really doorways to the divine. You look through it to what is beyond it. And to some degree, you look back at it as a mirror in which you see yourself. But the icon is there to point you to something beyond itself. God looks through, God looks at us through the icon. And we look at God in, through, and beyond the icon. So in a world of idols, can we be icons of Jesus that point to him, never to ourselves? This is an iconomic culture. People traffic in icons. Let's be an icon for Jesus. Thank you for listening to Napkin Scribbles. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with a friend today. Today's Napkin Scribbles was sponsored by Portland Seminary of George Fox University. For more information, join them on the web at portlandseminary.org. For Professor and Arthur Leonard Sweet, until next time, happy scratching and scribbling.